Good morning, brothers and sisters. Probably by this time, you already know that uh, the ECQ has been extended all the way up to May 15. And after that, we are told that uh, mass gatherings can only begin this coming September. And that is, of course, if the situation somehow gets a lot better. So anyway, we are still uh, coming to you through this uh, Facebook page. And we are thankful to God that we're able to address uh, you there in your homes, even while we are in enhanced community quarantine. So once again, allow me to just remind you of our announcements. All our services are still suspended until further notice. So we enjoin you to watch the coverage of our service every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning. Kindly visit our Facebook page, Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International Incorporated. You can also view us in our Living Word YouTube page. Now also, you can watch us, our sermons, on Sky Cable Channel 54 from Monday to Saturday at 8 p.m. Now if you are a radio listener, you can also listen to us every Saturday and Sunday at 8 o'clock in the evening over DYFRFM 98.7 on your dial. So again, we hope that you will continue to subscribe and watch all our videos. My next book, More Than Enough, was scheduled for release. However, as we mentioned to you, there's been a lockdown. But thankfully, hopefully, after uh, May 15, they can start the book binding process already and deliver the books to us. So in the meantime, we are still offering our pre-selling price at 300 pesos. The moment things become regular, the regular price would be 350 pesos. So if I were you, I would like to be able to save up 50 pesos. And you can do that by buying this book right now. Now the book is about learning how to conquer trials and sufferings and it is very, very timely in view of the situation that we are in right now. Kindly text your orders to 0931-037-6944. Let me take this occasion also to remind you that we have a new gospel-centered discipleship material entitled Knowing Christ. This is good for Bible studies at home and in your small groups. It's available for only 150 pesos. Kindly text the number on your screen. Again, please do not forget our interactive midweek table talk every Wednesday live at 2 p.m. It is gaining a lot of ground right now. We're getting to have more and more listeners all over the Philippines and in different parts of the world. So once again, please tune in with us on our Facebook page every Wednesday at 2 p.m., our interactive midweek table talk. Now also, let me just remind you that we have live intercession every Friday at 2 p.m. And so what I do is a, I give a short word of exhortation, and after that we dive into prayer and intercession for our country for the globe, and for the churches, and for the government. So again, we'd like you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m.
Now we thank God also for those who have continued to partner with us in the work of the Lord. And so we would like to share to you our giving channels once again. And this is also for Living Word members only. You can deposit your love offerings to the following banks. Banco de Oro, account name is LWCCCII, and then account number is 0010006080. We also have a BPI account, Living Word Christian Ministry Cebu Incorporated. Account number is 10210234814. RCBC, account name would be LWCCCII, account number is 1452005286. You may also send your love offerings and donations online through our website, www.livingword.ph, and click the word give and click on your giving preferences. We're now ready to go to God's Word. Today, I would like to deliver to you a message coming from Psalm 78. And I'm going to talk about stability for all times. But before we begin, I'd like to invite you in a short word of prayer. Could you bow your head together with me as we come before the Lord in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for this blessed morning, O God. We thank you, O God, for the opportunity to study your word once again. And Lord, we desire, Lord, to learn from your word. We desire to be able to apply the things that we will learn today. And so, Father, I pray for myself. Your people are listening and they are hanging on every word that you have to say to them. And so, Lord, I submit myself to you to be a conduit of blessing to your people. Allow me to be your instrument. Allow me to be your mouthpiece, O God so that your name might be glorified, your people edified, your kingdom extended. So I pray, Lord, for clarity of thought and clarity of speech. I pray for your empowering. I pray that souls might even come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ even today. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. As I mentioned to you, these are times of great instability and great insecurity. In fact, even before the lockdown or even before the enhanced community quarantine, there's already been a lot of insecurity and instability all over the world. I'd like to share to you some statistics that were shared by Mike Riccardi about certain things that have taken place in the United States of America. And here he gives us statistics coming from the Anxiety and Depression Association in America. And it reports there are 40 million adults who have been diagnosed with anxiety disorders, anxiety attacks, panic attack disorders. Now, 40 million adults, you're talking about 18% of the U.S population and that is so huge now this gives us a picture of how many people have this feeling of instability and insecurity now there's a popular website.com which calls the united states of america as the united states of anxiety so the usa is now the united states of anxiety 
What Mike Riccardi did as well is that he googled for the word or the phrase cure for anxiety. And in just about 0.41 seconds, he got 30 million hits, all promising an answer. And then he also googled the phrase how to find peace. And in 0.18 seconds, guess what? He got 600 25 million hits. Now, the Anxiety and Depression Association in America reports as well that from anxietycenter.com, anxiety medications way back in 2002 already cost $5 billion in sales. Now, we're talking about 2002 and that's already $5 billion. Now, I wonder how much they've spent on medication this 2020. So as we find here, people are desperate to find a cure for anxiety and peace. So that's the world that you and I are living in, and it has further been exacerbated by the COVID-19 situation. There is so much instability and insecurity taking place right now and what we would like to have would be stabilizers things that would stabilize our lives and i feel that psalm 78 is able to address that particular issue in our lives now the question i would like to propound to you is where do we plant our feet during this time of great instability so that you and I can have some spiritual stability in our lives. So again, that's the reason why we are diving in Psalm 78. But before I go and give you an outline, I'd like to share to you a story from my own childhood. I recall that in our neighborhood, there were a lot of people who wanted to learn how to ride the bicycle. And so my father understood that me and my brothers, we wanted to learn how to ride a bike. But we were very young then. So guess what my father did? He bought us a bicycle, but a bicycle that had stabilizers. Now, I don't know if you know what stabilizers are, but take the picture. In the back wheel of that bicycle are two smaller wheels. And that provided stability as we were trying to learn how to ride the bicycle. And somehow in our day and time, because of the insecurity that we are facing, because of the uncertainty that we face now in the future, we need stabilizers so that our walk, our spiritual walk will be steady, it will be stable, it will be secure. And I think that definitely is something that you and I need at this time. And so allow me to just give you three takeaways, which I feel would be the stabilizers that would stabilize our very lives for this day and time. So when you go to Psalm 78, there are three major points that you will see. And I'm going to make it applicational for us so that it would be very easy for us to think about how we can apply this in our lives. First of all, is teach the word to the next generation. Teach the word to the next generation. And under that, you have the rational for instruction. 
The second applicational point would be learn from history, never forget. And under that, we have the first review of Israelite history, which moves from Egypt all the way to the wilderness where God miraculously provides for them. You find this in verses 12 to 39. Now, not only do we have a first review of Israelite history, you now also have a second review of Israelite history. And now this begins from the deliverance, deliverance from Egypt all the way to the wilderness, verses 40 to 55. And then it also includes their conquest and settlement in the land of Canaan. So this is actually a, an expanded form of the first review. That's what we find here in the second review. The third and final applicational point would be rely on God's covenant faithfulness. Rely on God's covenant faithfulness. Now let's go to the first applicational point, which is to teach the word to the next generation. Now this is such a great stabilizer because when you start teaching your children, remember this, you're not only teaching your children, you're not only preaching to your children, you're actually teaching and preaching to yourself as well. Now, when we think about the quarantine situation, let's talk about the upside of this quarantine situation. The upside of this quarantine situation is we have a lot of time. We have a lot of time for our children. We have a lot of time for our wife. And so we don't want to be able to waste this time that God has given to us. We have the opportunity to spend quality time with our children. And what better way to spend quality time with our children but with using the Word of God and instructing them in the ways of God. Now, when we think about the quarantine situation, one of the things that I'm actually thinking about was the situation of Noah. Wasn't that a quarantine situation as well? Remember what happened? God shut the door when Noah and his family entered the ark. And what happened was it was raining for 40 days and 40 nights. The water started, started to rise up. There must have been people who were moving towards the ark and they were probably banging the wooden ark and they were asking for Noah to open the ark. And later on, as the waters began to rise, Noah and probably his wife and children, they probably heard the cries of the people for, for help, cries of distress, cries of people drowning. Now, those were great preaching points on the part of Noah. I, I don't imagine that Noah was just simply lounging around in the ark or wrestling with, with lions or wrestling with bears or trying to play Xbox. Of course, I'm kidding. I don't think he was doing that. I think that he was instructing his children. Because after all, the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He had been preaching and proclaiming the word of God to the people. And I'm sure even in this quarantine situation that he was in during the flood, he must have been teaching his children. And again, we can teach our children a lot of things during this time. So let's have a look at Psalm 78 and verses 1 to 6 at this time as we read together what the instruction was all about. It says in verse 1, 
Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. Again, let me just repeat that, that they should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. So what is the rationale for instruction here? Well, if you go to the following verse in verse 7, it says that they should put their confidence in God. Now, the psalmist actually opened up the phrase, listen, O my people, to my instruction and he cites the importance of instructing the next generation teaching god's people from generation to generation and that is a task that has been given to us by the lord remember this is part of the great commission the bible says we are to go and make disciples of all nations and our first first our very first discipleship project should be our own family our first discipleship project should be our own children. We cannot be discipling other people and yet not disciple our own children. History, church history, is actually replete with a lot of stories of pastors and ministers who have gone out in the world. They preach the word of God. They proclaim the word of God. There's been a harvest of souls. And yet when it came to their own children, their children were lost. Their children did not find a relationship with Christ. And so we don't want that happening. That is why, again, let's make use of our time. Let's teach our children at this time. And what's the reason? Verse 7 tells us that they may put their confidence in God. That is what you and I want to happen. We want the faith that you and I have to be owned by our children. We want that to happen. We want them to own the faith that you and I have. And one of the blessings that I'm thankful for, and I don't like to give myself credit nor my wife in this, I think it's really all the work of God's grace in our lives. Of course, my wife and I have been instructing our children. And yet God in His grace and goodness has allowed my children to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And not only a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they're now helping out in the ministry. My eldest son, TJ, happens to be the lead pastor of Living Word IT Park. My son, my second son, AJ, is my associate pastor here in the main church. And he's been helping me out in my book, He's been helping me out in other technical stuff. And so I'm really thankful to God for that. My daughter, Hannah, is the one who has been doing our PowerPoint presentation. So just in case you're uh, having a look at the PowerPoint presentations and you're very thankful that they're there, well, that's the work of my daughter. So I'm thankful to God that they own the faith that my wife and I had. 
And this is something we want to happen to our children, that they might put their faith and trust in the Lord. So don't be negligent of your duty. Don't be negligent of the task that God has assigned to you. Because clearly, this is one of the spiritual injunctions that you and I have to follow in our family life. Now, it also says here, just to read verse 7 once again, it says that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God. So the second rationale here is so that they may not forget the mighty works of God. If we are going to be faithful to God, we should not forget all the things that God has done for us. And so we need to be able to testify to our children. We need to recount to our children the many things that God has done. I mean, many of the things that God has done in our lives, they're probably, they were probably unaware when they were still growing up, when they were toddlers, when they were young children. Maybe those things they had already forgotten. Maybe they have forgotten the way God provided, the way God healed, the, the way God protected your family. And you need to be able to recount all of those things to them, remind them of the mighty and good deeds and mighty works of the Lord so that they may not forget the work of the Lord. They may not forget the mighty deeds of the Lord. You know, one of the major problems that I find in Christianity today is that of forgetfulness. And by the way, that is actually true of the nation of Israel. In this psalm, two times, they are reprimanded, the Israelites were reprimanded for their forgetfulness. So, so let me cite to you those two uh, verses of Scripture. In verse 11, it says, They forgot His deeds and His miracles that He had shown them. So highlight the word, forgot. And then in verse 42, it says, They did not remember His power. They forgot and they did not remember His power. The day when he redeemed them from the adversary. Now, this tells us the power of memory. We are to feed our memories of God's mighty deeds. We are to feed our memories of God's instructions. This is something we need to be able to do. In my last Sunday sermon, I talked about the importance of reminding ourselves of the many good things that God has done. And most definitely, when we remind ourselves of the past deliverances of God, we gain inspiration out of that. Our faith is somehow renewed. We are edified. We are built up. We are ready to take the fight once again. And so we're ready once again to live out this life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is why we need to remind ourselves continually. We need to tell these things to our children. Tell them about those stories. And I know that it takes quite an effort just trying to remember what God has done in the past. But we need to do that. If we're going to help our children, we need to be able to do that. And by the way, it's not only beneficial to your children, it's also beneficial to you. Because as you recount all these mighty deeds, your faith is strengthened by the Lord. Now let's go to the third reason or the third rationale why there needs to be instruction. It says, but keep 
his commandments. This is continuing from verse 7, but keep his commandments. One of the things or one of the reasons why we have to instruct our children is so that they might keep the commandments. Now, think about this. How can our children possibly keep the commandments if you and I don't even teach it to them? I mean, if we reprimand our children, if we rebuke our children, if we scold our children, they will probably tell us, but, but dad, you never taught us. Mom, you never taught us. We were never instructed about these things. And so it becomes a rebuke to you in return. So be diligent in instructing our children about the commandments of God. Because the commandments of God would bring God's blessing, favor, and grace into their lives. And that's exactly what we want to happen. If we want to secure the future of our children, that's one of the things we need to do. Instruct them the commandments of God that they might keep it. And then, finally here, let me just read verse 8. It says, And not be like their fathers. A stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now, the Bible clearly tells us, Paul clearly tells us that these sacred writings in the Old Testament were actually written for our own instruction. So what do we learn from them? We learn from their successes. We learn how they were victorious in their lives, how they became mighty conquerors. And we know that they became mighty conquerors because they were obedient. They were loyal to God. God had no rivals in their heart. And that's the reason why God blessed them. But not only do we learn from their successes, we also learn from their failures. We learn from their rebellion. We learn that it is not good to rebel against God. It is not good to be unfaithful to God. It is not good to be disloyal to God. And that is what we have seen in Israelite history. So here, the fourth rationale is so that we might detour from other generations' rebellion. And there have been a lot of people who have rebelled against God, and their story is a story of misery. Their story is a story of tragedy. Now, as God is writing the narrative of your life, would you, would you like your life to be a, a story of tragedy? Would you like your, your narrative to be a narrative of misery? I don't think so. You'd always like to have a happy ending in your life. You'd always like to things to go well with you. And things can only go well with you if you are walking together with God. And so we now go to the second lesson. Learn from history, never forget. Now the psalmist here provides two reviews of history. Israelite history, that is. The first review is found in verses 12 to 39. And the second review is found in verses 43 to 72. But let's begin with Verse 9, it says, The sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. Of course, the sons of Ephraim speaks about the nation of Israel. And what does this tell you? That they were archers equipped with bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. What is it telling you? 
that our victory does not depend on our skill. Our victory does not depend on our resources, but our victory depends on our loyalty and obedience to the Lord. And that's something we need to learn in our lives. Oftentimes, we just rely on our brain power. We rely on our resources. We rely on our connections. We rely on favorable circumstances. And we fail to rely on God. And as a result of that, we are oftentimes disloyal to Him and disobedient. Don't do that. Don't do that, please. Because that will only spell tragedy for us. Now, in verse 10... It reads, they did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law. They forgot His deeds. Now again, underline that word. They forgot His deeds and His miracles that He had shown to them. Now verse 11 states that miracles were not enough to cause God's people to be faithful. So what is it that causes us to be faithful? It is the intentionality to reviewing what God has done in our lives. It is the intentionality of reviewing God's history in our lives and being thankful to God for all that He has done for us. One of the basic things I feel is lacking many times in the 21st century church is a lack of gratitude. We lack thankfulness and we need to be thankful to God and there are a thousand and one reasons why we should be thankful to God and we need to remind ourselves recount the many times the many situations wherein God delivered us wherein God provided for us we need to be able to do that that unfortunately was something that the Israelites forgot to do so I'd like us to have a look right now at the first review of Israelite history, which moves from Egypt all the way to the wilderness where God miraculously provides for them. So let me read verses 12 to 16 at this time. It says, He wrought wonders before their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. You probably recall the many plagues, the many signs and wonders that God wrought through Moses and Aaron in Egypt against Pharaoh. And then in verse 13, it says, He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and He made the water stand up like a heap. Now try to imagine that situation. I recall as a young boy, I watched this movie of the Exodus. It was Charlton Heston who was playing the role of uh, Moses at that time. And I was treated to a cinematic phenomena wherein I saw the people of Israel crossing through dry land and on one side you have one heap of water or one heap of the Red Sea on one side and another heap of water on the other side. And they were crossing through dry land and just looking at it, even just from a cinematic perspective, it was already a sight to behold. Can you imagine what the Israelites were seeing at that particular time. Boy, it must have been a fantastic phenomenon. And yet, interestingly, they forgot about it. And then it says in verse 14, Then he led them with a the cloud by day and all night with a light of fire. 
Although God did not provide a map leading all the way to the land of Canaan, there was the pillar of fire by night, and there was the cloud of glory. The cloud of glory probably providing uh, much needed comfort to them because the shadow of the cloud must have somehow provided a little relief from the desert sun. And then at night, when they needed light to lead them along the way, they had the pillar of fire. God was there leading them. And so when the pillar of fire, the cloud of glory stopped, they stopped. When the cloud of glory and the pillar of fire moved, they started to move. God was there with them. God was guiding and leading them. What a blessing it is to have the presence of God. To have the guiding steps of God. What a blessing this was to the people. And not only that, it says in verse 15, He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them abundant drink like the ocean depths. Now I'm sure this is a hyperbole. This is an exaggeration. But think about abundant drink, abundant water in the desert. Have you ever been to the Middle East? Have you ever been to Israel? Have you ever visited the Negev, which right now comprises 65% of the territory of Israel? Well, as you look into the desert, there's no mineral water there. There's no 7-Eleven there. There's no grocery or department store wherein you can actually buy uh, where you, wherein you can actually buy water during that time. Of course, right now, they have malls, they have uh, shops wherein you know, they, can, they can give you water. But not during that time. But you know what? The Bible says they had abundant water at that time. Wow! What a blessing! What a blessing! It says in verse 16, He brought forth streams also from the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. There was no lack of water for them. However, in verses 12 to 16, we find here that sadly they were discontent and they were not thankful for God's provisions. They rebelled even against God. And so here's what we find in, in verse 17. It says in verse 17, Yet they still continued to sin against Him. To rebel against the Most High in the desert. And in their heart, they put God to the test by asking food according to their desire. They were not content with what God had provided for them. They wanted more things. They probably wanted sirloin steak. They probably wanted uh, Angus beef. They probably wanted salpi cow. They probably wanted lasagna. Of course, I'm exaggerating. But you see, this was a heart of discontent that we find among the people of Israel. And it was not just that they were discontent. Notice what verse 19 says. Then they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? They were taunting God. They were challenging God. And they were saying, can God prepare a table here? Can we have buffet here? Is it possible that God can do that here in the wilderness? What, what's here for us? They were challenging God. They were taunting God. They had already seen all these stupendous and powerful miracles. And yet they had the audacity to challenge God and to taunt God at that time. Shame on them. But that's exactly what we see here. 
Continuing in verse 20, it says, Behold, he struck the rock so that waters gushed out and streams were overflowing. And yet, they were asking, Can he give bread also? Will he provide meat for his people? They were saying, Well, yes, all right, fine. God has provided water. But we need more than that. We need bread. We need meat. Again, discontent. By the way, just to inform you, the Israelites were accompanied by the mixed multitude. These were people who had joined themselves to the people of Israel. And they were a grumbling, complaining lot. And unfortunately, the people of Israel allowed themselves to be influenced by the mixed multitude. And they found themselves to become grumbling, complaining people. We're talking about three million people, by the way, complaining to Moses. I don't know how Moses was able to shepherd the people of Israel. That is why near the end of his ministry, he lost it. He lost it. He lost his temper, brothers and sisters. And that's the reason why he was not able to enter the land of Canaan, unfortunately. So again, they were saying, will he provide meat for his people? Because of their rebellion... In verses 21 to 33, we find God's anger and judgment because they did not appreciate the miracles of God in the wilderness. Allow me to read to you these expressions of anger in verses 21 all the way to verse 33. It says, Therefore the Lord heard and was full of wrath. And a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also mounted against Israel. Yes, brothers and sisters, God does get angry. Yes, brothers and sisters, there is a wrath of God. And it was being poured out upon Israel because of their rebellion. In verse 22, it says, Because they did not believe in God and did not trust in His salvation. Yet he commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them food from heaven. Man did eat the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens and by his power he directed the south wind. When he rained meat upon them like the dust, even winged fowl like the sand of the seas, then he let them fall in the midst of their camp, round about their dwellings. Because they were asking for meat, God provided it in abundance, but at the same time, God judged them. So here's what happens in verse 28. Then he let them fall in the midst of their camp, round about their dwellings. So they ate and were filled, and their desire he gave to them. Before they had satisfied their desire, while their food was in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them and killed some of their stoutest ones and subdued the choice men of Israel. In spite of all this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wonderful works. So he brought their days to an end in futility and their years in sudden terror. You know, what happened at that time was as God provided meat to them in the desert, they started to devour the meat that was provided by the Lord. 
But while the meat was in their mouth, God struck them with a plague. And many of the Israelites at that time died. And guess what that place was called where they died? It was called Kibroth Hatava, which means graves of lust. Graves of lust. And sometimes, isn't that what happens to us? Because of our lust, because of our greed, because of our covetousness, because of our materialism, we find a grave. Maybe not a literal grave, but a graveyard in our own hearts. There is a barrenness and emptiness that we find in our hearts. And that is what some people have found out. They might be millionaires, but they don't have peace. They don't have joy. They might have employed the best chefs in their own homes. And yet their taste buds are not able to appreciate all these viands that have been cooked by these famous chefs. And that is so unfortunate. And that is what could possibly happen in our case as well. God's judgment came on them. Why? Because they did not remember God. And friends, at this time, while you and I are in this desert of COVID-19, let us remember God in our lives. Let us not forget God. This is not the time to forget our God. This is the time to remember His goodness in our lives. This is the time to remember His faithfulness in our lives. Now, God's judgments, as I mentioned to you, came on them because they did not remember God. Notice what verse 34 reads and verse 35 reads for us. It says, When he killed them, then they sought him. And they returned and searched diligently for God. And they remembered God. They remembered that God was their rock and the Most High God, their Redeemer. Notice what happened here. Because of the judgment of God, finally, finally, they remembered God. Now let me ask you this question. Is this what is happening to you right now? Before the coronavirus pandemic crisis, were you backsliding? Were you forgetful of the deeds of God in your life? Did your heart start becoming cold towards Him? Did you forget to come before the Lord in, in your prayer uh, time? Did you forget to read your Bibles? And right now, as we're going through this coronavirus pandemic crisis, are you now beginning to remember God? I hope that is what God is achieving. Because if you go to the book of Revelation, one of the tragedies I find there is that while there was much tribulation, while there was famine and pestilence, while there were meteor showers, while there were wars, while there was inflation, while there was food shortage, we are told in the book of Revelation that many of the people still did not repent of their deeds. And I hope that's not what's happening right now. Some people are still very casual and taking these things very lightly and they are not at all affected well i hope that as the pressure continues to crush their very lives i hope that people will now relent and they would now seek god and they would seek the face of the lord 
Sadly, the repentance of the Israelites was not genuine. And we find this in the next few verses. And actually, this is what I am very much afraid of. It's possible to have a season of repentance because of the difficulty and the oppression that we are experiencing right now. But will it last? Will it last? And that's what I am really honestly afraid of for many, many of us. So here's what happens in verse 36 and 37. But they deceived him with their mouth and lied to him with their tongue. For their heart was not steadfast toward him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. This is just such a, a sad and tragic narrative that we are reading here that the people of God, the nation of Israel, deceived God with their mouth. They were feigning obedience. They were feigning repentance. It was all fake. It was not real. It was not genuine. It was not heartfelt. They were simply giving in to the pressure of the situation that they were in. They were giving in to the pressure of God's judgment. But their hearts were not real towards God. It was not genuine towards God. And so we think, well, what then happened to them? Did God just destroy those, all those three million people in the desert? You know, the amazing thing is that God's steadfast love remained with them. That's one of the things that comforts my heart continually because there are times that we are indeed unfaithful to God. There are times wherein we do stumble and fall and we forget about God. And yet the amazing thing is though we are unfaithful, God remains faithful. And this is exactly what you and I see in the next few verses, the steadfast love of God. Verse 38 reads, But he, being compassionate, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them what a merciful god we have and it says and often he restrained his anger and did not arouse all his wrath thus he remembered now i'd like you to notice the contrast here the people forgot god the israelites forgot god and yet here in verse 39 it says thus he remembered that they wear but flesh, a wind that passes and does not return. So in contrast to the Israelites' forgetfulness of God, God remembers them. God is mindful of them. A passage that comes to my mind would be in Isaiah chapter 49 verses 15 and 16. And I'd like you to meditate on this. It says here, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion in the son of her womb? And we would say, no, it cannot happen. Mothers would always remember their children, unless, of course, they're insane, unless, of course, they're wicked and perverse. They could actually forget their children. And so here it says, even these, the mothers, may forget. But notice the statement of the Lord, I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. I'd like you to, to look at your hands right now. 
I'd like you to look at, at your hand and, and notice and see the lines, the inscription, so to speak. And God is saying, how can I forget you? I have inscribed you in the palms of my hands. How can I possibly forget you? What a great God we have. What a merciful God we have. You know, with all the sins in the world, God could actually strike everybody else with lightning. And God could just destroy the whole world as he destroyed it in the flood during the time of Noah. But no, God is patient. God is patient. And he remembers his covenant faithfulness, most especially to his people, to his believers. I'd like to pause at this time and go sideways and begin to ask you this question. Are you God's people? Can you honestly say that I belong to God so that I could be assured of his covenant faithfulness? Because the covenant faithfulness of God only happens to those who have a relationship with the Lord. And that is why right now I'd like to pause because one of the things I sincerely believe God is doing is that he is drawing people to himself. People who are rebels. People who are great sinners. People who are not mindful of God. Maybe he's even drawing atheists and agnostics right now. And I would like to provide opportunity for you to come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness for all your sins. And I'd like you to know that, that He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to, to be part of His kingdom. And the way that happens is you come to God as you are. You don't clean up your act. You don't perform good works before you become acceptable to God. Because God's eternal life, God's salvation is a free offer. It is a free gift that is given to you by God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in Calvary. Through what he has done in Calvary, he's, he has provided a salvation and made it available for all of us. Something that you and I could not possibly achieve. And so he offers that to you. He offers you a new life. Because when you repent and ask for forgiveness, when you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, He would place the Holy Spirit in your body. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will give you a new mind. He will give you a new mouth. He will give you new ears. He will give you a new heart. He will change your life from inside out. And that is why if I were you during this time, Accept Jesus. Make Him the Lord and Savior of your life. And the Bible says, you will have eternal life. Your name will be written in the book of life. And then, you can be assured of God's covenant faithfulness. I'd like to present to you the fact that the story of Israel was a story of stubbornness in spite of God's mighty deliverance in Egypt and in the wilderness. And so here in, in this particular psalm, we find a second review of their history as if the first review was not enough. But then again, we do not get an overdose 
of reviewing God's goodness and God's faithfulness. That's something we need right now. We need large doses of God's uh, past dealings with us so that as we recount all of these things, we get to be blessed and we get to energize our faith. So here in verses 40 to 55, we find a second review of Israel's history of deliverance from Egypt and also in the wilderness. By the way, it also includes their conquest and settlement in the land of Canaan. In verse 40, it reads how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, you heard it right. Grieved him in the desert. Verse 41, again and again they tempted God and pained. Yes, you heard it right. They pained the Holy One of Israel. So the question is, how does God feel whenever we disobey Him? How does God feel whenever we reject Him? How does God feel when, when we forget Him? Does God have emotions? Does God have feelings? Well, this verse of Scripture tells us that God is also an emotional being. He is not an impersonal being. God has feelings. And we are told here that because of the rebellion of the Israelites, God was grieved. We are told that because of their, their unfaithfulness to God, God was pained in His heart. Let's ask ourselves this question. Have we brought grief and pain into the heart of God? Every time we sin against God, every time we backslide, every time we marginalize God, Every time we lose our focus on God, remember this, we are bringing pain and grief into His heart. And we don't want that. We don't want to do that. That is why reviewing the history of God in the Old Testament, or reviewing God in the history of our own lives is such an important aspect in our lives. Our memory is very important. Remembering God is very, very important. Sadly, in verse 42, it says, They did not remember His power. The day when He redeemed them from the adversary, it says, They did not remember. This speaks about the treachery of forgetfulness. Again, this speaks about the treachery of forgetfulness. That's why, friends, if, if you and I are going to betray God, it's because of our own forgetfulness. That is why our memory is so important. Of course, for some people, their memory might be fading as a result of their old age. Some people may be suffering of Alzheimer's. And I recall John Newton himself actually said that there are many things that he could not remember. But if there's one thing he has not forgotten, he has not forgotten that he was a great sinner and that he received the amazing grace of God in his life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there's one thing that you and I need to remember, we need to remember the gospel. 
Because we are all wretched sinners deserving of the full wrath of God. And yet God in his graciousness elected us, predestined us, chose us, saved us, washed and cleansed us of all our sinfulness. And now we have become co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now our names have been written in the book of life. We have been seated at the right hand of the Father. Do not ever forget that. The moment you forget the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will be a treacherous road for you. And you don't want to walk that road. They did not remember. And let's follow through. Now here we find a recounting of the uh, history of Israel. Now this, this second review, by the way, let me just tell you this, is an expanded form of the first one. And there are many details that are now included as if the first details were not enough. And, and sometimes we have to do that. We need to exert a lot of effort trying to remember all the details of what God has done for us. So let's go back to the second review right now. It says, when he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in, his, in the field of Zoan and turned their rivers to blood and their streams they could not drink. This was God's judgment upon Egypt. And by the way, the judgment of God, those plagues were not only a judgment upon them, but a judgment upon their own gods, showing that they were not real gods at all. That the only one and real God is only Yahweh. There is only one God. So it says here in verse 45, He sent among them swarms of flies which devoured them. This happened to the people of Egypt while God was creating a dividing line between Israel and Egypt. Egypt was judged. Israel was spared. It says here in verse 46, he gave also their crops to the grasshopper and the product of their labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hailstones and their sycamore trees with frost. He gave over their cattle also to the hailstones and their herds to bolts of lightning. He sent upon them his burning anger, fury and indignation and trouble, a band of destroying angels. He leveled the path for his anger. He did not spare their soul from death, but gave over their life to the plague. And he smote all the firstborn in Egypt, the first issue of their virility in the tents of Ham. But he led forth his own people, that is Israel. While he judged Egypt, God delivered Israel. He led forth his own people like sheep. And guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them safely so they did not fear. But the sea engulfed their enemies. So he brought them to his holy land. To this hill country which his right hand had gained. He also drove out the nations before them. And apportioned them for an inheritance by measurement. And made the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents. So notice here the expanded story. Of the deliverance of Israel from the plagues that were seen in Egypt. How God had created a dividing line between Israel and Egypt. Egypt was judged. Israel was delivered by God. And as they approached the land of Canaan, remember, they were not warriors. They were shepherds. 
They were builders. They did not know anything about warfare. And yet, God delivered them. God allowed them to conquer the mighty nations of the Middle East in the land of Cana. Nations that had fortresses. Nations that had chariots. Nations that had giants. Nations that had advanced weaponry. They were merely shepherds. And yet, through the leadership of Joshua, their general, God wrought a mighty victory. They were able to slice the land of Canaan into two, conquering the central part, first of all, and then going down south, conquering the southern part as well, and then later on conquering the northern part. How were they able to do that? With all those mighty armies, mighty fortresses, chariots, and weaponry, how were they able to do that? It was through the mighty hand of God. The battle belonged to the Lord. Salvation came about because of God. That's why we are not to forget that. Oftentimes we forget all the miracles that God has done in our lives. We forget all the good things that, that God has done. Please do not forget. Today at this time, it is not the time to have spiritual amnesia. This is not the time to abandon our God. This is the time to be intentional about remembering the goodness of God in our lives. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of intentionality. But if you and I are going to survive this crisis spiritually, if we're going to come out in, in one piece after this pandemic crisis, if the church of God is going to be strong at this time, it needs to remember the goodness of God. It needs to recount to memory all the mighty deliverances of God. This is the time to go back and retrieve all those fantastic memories of our God who is mighty and glorious. That is what you and I need to do brothers and sisters sadly in spite of the great works of god the people of israel still abandoned god and to teach them a lesson god abandons them for a season but only for a season and we are told what happens here in verse 56 it says yet they tempted and rebelled against the most high god and did not keep his testimonies, but turned back and acted treacherously like their fathers. They turned aside like a treacherous bow, for they provoked him with their high places and aroused his jealousy with their graven images. When God heard, he was filled with wrath and greatly abhorred Israel, so that he abandoned the dwelling place at Shiloh, the tent which he had pitched among them. Israel became Ichabod. They lost the glory of God. Verse 61 reads, And gave up his strength to captivity, his glory into the hand of the adversary. He also delivered his people to the sword and was filled with wrath at his inheritance. Fire devoured his young men and his virgins had no wedding songs. Just a little sidebar here. I've been seeing a lot of weddings that have actually been canceled as a result of this pandemic crisis. There are some who 
because of a strong will, have decided to go on, but many of their weddings have be- become very, very simple. Sometimes in the backyard with a few people, and there's even social distancing. And there was a particular lady who said that her dream wedding did not actually take place. Nevertheless, she is thankful that her wedding was able to proceed on. And again, when we take a look at this, it says, Fire debarred his young men, his virgins had no wedding songs. Verse 64, his priests, the religious leaders, the ones who were supposed to lead Israel into spirituality, into an understanding of ethics and morality. The Bible says his priests fell by the sword and his widows could not weep. You know why they could not weep? Their tear ducts were dry already. Out of all the anguish, out of all the crying, it finally came to a point that their tear ducts were dry and they could no longer cry. I hope that doesn't happen to us. But you know, again, even as we see all these applications the third and final application once again finds the redeeming grace of God in all of this and so here's the third applicational point rely on God's covenant faithfulness one of the amazing things is the faithfulness of God the covenant faithfulness of God and that is what you and I need to rely on In the last few remaining verses of Scripture, here we find the faithfulness of God. And so I'd like to read to you verse 65. It says, Then the Lord awoke as if from sleep. What happened here? Was was God sleeping all along? Now we are not to take this literally. What it simply means was that God has postponed His good dealings on the nation of Israel because of their stubbornness and their rebellion so that they would understand how it is when you are abandoned by God, how it is when you are unfaithful to God. God was simply teaching them a lesson. But you know, the anger of God does not last forever, most especially with His people. God's covenant faithfulness remains and that is why the Bible says the Lord awoke as if from sleep like a warrior overcome by wine. He drove his adversaries backward. He put on them an everlasting reproach. He also rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. But then we find in verses 68 to 72 God's faithfulness. In contrast to forgetful Israel, God remembers. Again, let me just say this. In contrast to Israel's forgetfulness, we find that God remembers all the time. So here, listen well to verses 68 up to the last verse. But chose the tribe of Judah. Remember, where does Jesus come from? From the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved, and he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He also chose David, this servant. Remember David? Jesus Christ was the son of David. So the ultimate 
faithfulness of God, the ultimate covenant faithfulness of God is seen in this Davidic line. It is seen in the Messiah. It is seen in Jesus Christ. God never ever forgets His people. So it says here, He also chose David the servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From the care of the ewes with suckling lambs, He brought him to shepherd the uh, to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. In God's faithfulness, guess what God does? He gives them a shepherd to care for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the nation. The nation which God had chosen. And let me just tell you once again. From that line comes our Messiah. The ultimate. The ultimate sign of God's faithfulness. The ultimate sign of God's salvation and deliverance. And we have Jesus right now. That is why we are to rely on God's faithfulness. So today, I hope that you learned three applicational lessons to bring about stability and security in our time. Number one, the teaching of God's truth. Number two, learning lessons from history. And finally, relying on God's faithfulness. These are the greatest stabilizing factors in our lives. May you have a stable, secure, certain future because you have applied these things in your lives. This is where we plant our feet, brothers and sisters. And when we do that, we will be blessed. God will see us through. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this wonderful day. Thank you, O God, for ministering to us through your word. And we rejoice that we have the word of God to guide us, lead us, bless us. And Father, I pray that your word will not return to you null and void, but it will accomplish the very purpose by which you have sent it for. Whatever has been accomplished today, we give you back the glory, the praises, and thanks. And Lord, we thank you for the people who have remained faithful in their duty to continually give and partner with the work of the Lord. May you bless them, Father, even during these difficult times. I remember also as well the people who are hungry, the people who are needy. Lord, please provide for them during this time. Have mercy on them and show your faithfulness to your people. Lord, we thank you. And whatever has been achieved today, we give you back the glory, the praises, and thanks. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen and amen. So it's been a great Sunday once again, brothers and sisters. I'm just so glad to be able to serve you even through online. And we'd like to spread the word around to as many people as possible. If you have been watching uh, the chats that we find in our Facebook, you will discover that people are listening to us all over the Philippines, from Luzon, Visayas and Mindanao, we have people listening to our broadcast. And not only that, people in other parts of the world have been listening. They have been paying attention. And we want the word to spread. 
So please help me. Help me spread the word around. Please like and share this video and uh, share it on Messenger, share it on Viber, tag as many people as possible. And by the way, this comes out on YouTube as well, so you can share that too as well. So again, thank you and God bless. And my wife says hi and goodbye as well to you. Uh, we'd like to see you once again this coming Wednesday, Friday, and also Sunday. God bless you and please stay safe.